Welcome to the Port Ferry Information Centre. This podcast provides a brief introduction to the European settlement of Port Ferry and the critical years and events that shaped Port Ferry's destiny and turned it into the popular tourist destination it is today. Prior to Europeans arriving in Port Ferry, the Gunditjmara Indigenous people had been living in the area for possibly 40,000 years or more. Although today there are no Indigenous heritage sites in Port Ferry, in the journals of the early explorers, there are references to hundreds of Indigenous people living in their small communities of Mayamais and fishing and hunting along the Moyne River and the river's associated wetlands. The first European to arrive in the area was in 1828, when the sealer Captain Henry Wishart sailed into Port Ferry Bay in pursuit of a group of escaped convicts. There were no references to the bay on his charts, so he named the area Port Ferry after the ship he was sailing in, called the Ferry. He was unable to sail up the Moyne River because the river mouth was too shallow and there were several reefs also blocking his entry. But Captain Wishart didn't stay for very long. The next group of Europeans to arrive in Port Ferry were the Whalers. Most of these men were from Launceston in Tasmania, or Van Diemen's Land as Tasmania was known in those days. They were hunting the southern right whales that migrated to the southwest coast from Antarctica to breed. Most of these whales were females congregating in the bays near the shores of Portland and Port Ferry to give birth to their calves. The shallow waters and reefs also provided protection for their young calves from the marauding killer whales that roamed the great southern ocean looking for their prey. In 1834, James Reeby and Joseph Penny established the first whaling station on Griffith Island. You can take a look at James Reeby's mother, Mary Reeby, on our $20 note. Mary Reeby was a successful businesswoman and philanthropist in the early colonial days of New South Wales. Unfortunately for Reeby and Penny, their whaling ventures failed and John Griffiths took over their business and established his whaling station on Griffith Island in 1836. He had previously established a whaling station at Portland in 1833. John Griffiths was from Launceston and he was a man of many talents. He was a shipbuilder, shipowner, intercolonial trader, merchant and farmer, to name but a few, in addition to his whaling interests. From 1836 until the mid-1840s, whaling was a profitable business for Griffiths, but it couldn't last. As was the case with the seal populations on the islands off Tasmania and along the southwest coast, the whale populations were practically wiped out with the last whale captured in 1849. During this period of time, squatters also moved into the area and established their runs. It was also during this period that the Gunditjmara indigenous people virtually disappeared from the area. The next significant year in Port Ferry's history was 1843. In that year, a wealthy Irishman by the name of James Atkinson acquired approximately 5,000 acres of Port Ferry land for the modest amount of 5,000 pounds. He was an entrepreneur who saw the financial possibility of creating a successful town and port that would allow him to sell and rent the land he had bought for big profits. He called his town Belfast after the city in Ireland he came from. Because he was too busy traveling around the colony looking to buy and sell land, he employed another Irishman by the name of William Rutledge to be his real estate agent in Port Ferry. 
Rutledge soon established his very own successful mercantile business in Belfast, to such an extent that he was called the King of Belfast. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, William Rutledge became bankrupt in 1862. That year was the next significant year that changed the destiny of Port Ferry. Rutledge's business failure had a major detrimental financial impact on the town. Consequently, the town's progress stagnated and towns like Warnable surged ahead and overtook Belfast. When James Atkinson died in 1864 and his remaining land sold in 1885, the townspeople decided to change the name of their town from Belfast back to Port Ferry. This happened in 1887, the next significant year in Port Ferry's history. The most recent major events in Port Ferry's history took place in the 1970s. During those years, Port Ferry was connected to a reticulated water supply. This meant the Dunny Man's days were over. The flushing toilets had arrived in Port Ferry. Also, the first Port Ferry Folk Festival was held from the back of a truck in the Botanic Gardens. With tap water, flushing toilets and a popular music festival that would become world famous, Port Ferry soon became a popular tourist destination, culminating in the 2012 award of the most livable town in the world. So come and visit Port Ferry and find out why it is so popular. And don't just visit Port Ferry, visit Port Ferry's past. Port Ferry's official and fully accredited tourism information centre is operated by friendly staff and volunteers for the benefit of tourists. Providing tips and assistance so you get the most out of your stay, the centre is centrally lo located within the Railway Place precinct in the centre of town. Come and have a chat to our friendly staff and volunteers. They're a wealth of local knowledge and will give you the insights you need to get the most out of your visit. Whether it's help with a last minute accommodation or tips about uh, cool new restaurants and cafes, you'll soon discover why they won a 2018 TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence. Free Wi-Fi is also available and it's a great place to pick up local merchandise or souvenirs for friends and family. We look forward to welcome you to our wonderful town.